Did you miss me? <laughs> you know, Congress, and it seems most of D.C. maybe, takes a break during August recess. But, boy, was there a bunch of stuff still going on during that time. So, let's shake off the beach sand from our summer break. Let's get back into it. Today, we're talking. We're taking inventory of everything we missed. So, it's the Captain's Log Edition. We've done it before. We're going to do it again. Let's just run through everything that was out there. Hi, welcome to By Land and By Sea, an attorney breaking down the week in supply chain presented by the Maritime Professor, me. I'm Lauren Began, founder of the Maritime Professor and Squall Strategies, and I'm your favorite maritime attorney. Join me every week as we walk through both ocean transport and surface transport topics in the wild world of supply chain. As always, the guidance here is general and for educational purposes only. It should not be construed to be legal advice, and there is no attorney-client privilege created by this video. If you need an attorney contact an attorney. So usually before we get into the discussion of the day, we go through my top three stories of the week. But today, Captain's Log Edition, everything is a top story. So settle in as we embark on the Captain's Log Edition of By Land and By Sea. Like I said, usually DC is a little quieter during this time, but the FMC was chugging right along, right? They are still working just as hard as ever. So let's dive into some of this FMC news. So at our last By Land and By Sea episode, we dove deeper into the Supplemental Notice of Proposed Rulemaking, right? This was the SNPRM. Remember that the FMC is working through three rulemakings that were directed under under the uh, Ocean Shipping Reform Act of 2022. Congress told the FMC that they had three specific rulemakings that they wanted them to take on. The first was this defining unreasonable refusal to deal or negotiate with respect to vessel space accommodations provided by an ocean common carrier. This is what has now turned into the supplemental notice of proposed rulemaking. It started with the regular process. The FMC, uh, specifically Chairman Maffei at one of the commission meetings said that this is a, this is a, a nuanced rulemaking and that this one required another look at it. And so they created the supplemental notice of proposed rulemaking and released a second comment period under the notice of proposed rulemaking. So that's what we saw over the summer. The second rulemaking that the FMC was also directed to undertake is billing practices of detention and demurrage. That one had over 180 comments filed on it when that closed up last December, I believe it was December 13th. Um, so we're almost, we're getting close to three quarters of a year. I won't call it a full year, right? We're nowhere near December. We're still finishing up summer, but we're getting close to having 180 comments and not much happening since. So hopefully we'll, we'll start hearing something about the D and D rulemaking. Uh, I, I expect that we will. And then the third rulemaking that the Congress told FMC to undertake was defining unfair or unjustly discriminatory practices. We haven't seen anything there yet. So the supplemental notice of proposed rulemaking on the unreasonable refusal to deal or negotiate was released on June 14th of just this summer. Comments were due by July 31st. And remember, this rulemaking was the one that laid out some pretty broad brushstrokes on definitions. And that's what I had encouraged everyone to go take a look at over the summer. Again, not legal advice, just something if you're interested in this stuff, go take a look at it because there were some pretty broad definitions that I thought 
Um, it also talks about export documentation, export strategy, uh, the shifting of the burden of proof for unreasonableness for the refusal to deal. So there were 25 comments received and a mix of trade associations, shippers, carriers, a pretty good cross-section of the industry were part of those 25 comments. So like I said, it's not like the 180 comments received for detention and demurrage, but 25 is actually still a pretty good showing for federal comments for a highly technical niche area of cargo transport. And pretty good for the FMC, right? I mean, they're an independent regulatory agency that deals in this ocean shipping world. 25 comments is pretty good. Okay, so the comments called out sweeper vessel proposals, blank sailings. They kind of, there were some pretty interesting things that we highlighted at the last episode of By Land and By Sea that the comments kind of reflected and called out and, and maybe highlighted, pointed out good, bad uh, clarification points um, that, that we kind of talked about. So um, some of those were overly broad areas of some of the definitions. Um, MSC actually made some comments and made an interesting point saying that the FMC. FMC should clarify that the burden of production should shift, not the burden of proof. Um, I think that's right, right? I mean, I, I think that, that that's certainly worth chewing on a little more by the FMC. So remember, there was a burden of of proof and, and production um, that was shifting that the FMC said for reasonableness standards. Um and, and you want to get that right, right? The Retail Industry Leaders Association praised an interesting addition to the commission's SNPRM, so the Supplemental Notice Proposal Rulemaking, what we're talking about that was released over the summer. Um, they highlighted the FMC's proposal to consider, and I quote, whether the ocean common carrier made a good faith effort to mitigate the impact of a refusal to provide the cargo space accommodations. And they said that it then incentivizes, this is what uh, the Retail Industry Leaders Association said, that it incentivizes a carrier to have a contingency plan in place to respond to reasonably foreseeable events and make good faith efforts to help the impacted shipper move its goods to the ultimate destination as quickly and efficiently as possible. So they're saying they, they liked that. They, they liked that change. They thought that that was a, a good thing to include that mitigation. Um, in general, I still feel like the supplemental notice proposal rulemaking is flying a little bit under the radar here. I, I really encourage anybody who listens to this podcast um, or or this show um, to stay tuned in on this one. Stay stay engaged. Pay attention. Um, this rulemaking has the potential to have some pretty significant impacts. Look, I do think that the FMC needs to rein in a few of the areas of this proposed rulemaking, um, specifically like I keep mentioning the definitions. They're just a little too broad, and and it's the it's the tailoring to even just ocean shipping because they they define reasonableness, but I mean, is that they don't necessarily capture the scope that reasonableness should be in this specific instance. Um, again, this is just my opinion here. So, um, but I, I'd like to see what you think on that. I'd like to see if you guys think that the definitions, maybe I'm being too critical. Do you think that the definitions do do a good job here? Are they going to be looked at in, in just the microscope view in these case-by-case instances? Or is this going to be something that we're going to find somebody grab this reasonableness definition and apply it maybe outside of even this scope. Um, but it doesn't have that, that, <laughs> that definition, that, that, that parameter around it. Right. So th- that's all I'm saying. Um, so take a look at this supplemental notice of proposal rulemaking again, read through the filed comments, the, the 25 filed comments, see if this lines up with what you and your company's interests are, how, how you run your operations. Look, anytime we get into determinations of reasonableness, just take another look, right? Because reasonableness 
can be subjective and and make sure that the reasonableness that is becoming the definition or or becoming what is reasonable is lining up with your interests. Um, you know, in general, like I said, I, I feel like reasonableness and, and these kind of broad brushstrokes need to be narrowly, more narrowly tailored so as to not have the unintended consequences. But I'm interested to hear what you think on this. You know, it's it's just the and, and the commission has said that they don't want to have these unintended impacts outside of the targeted rule. Um, and that's why they've taken a little bit more time. That's why this rule has these nuances to it. Um, we're getting there, right? I, I, I definitely think that this supplemental notice proposal rulemaking was better. Um, I think that the, it in general refined some of this, but I, I still think that there's work to be done here. Uh, whether they release another supplemental notice of proposal rulemaking after this one, I'm not sure. It'll, I'm going to look through the rest of the comments. I haven't gotten a chance to go through all 25. Um, I'm interested to see if people in general are saying, looks good, looks you're on the right track, or if people are starting to say, look, where we we just need a little bit more finer point put on the these things and if that's the case if that happens too often then the FMC it might behoove them to have one more round of comments um but at some point you got to make the rule too so let's see what happens here i'm going to dive further into this one i think that this one definitely warrants everybody paying attention to whether you think that it applies to you or not read through it even if it's just a cursory read this one has some potential for some impact so take a look All right, story number two. Since we're on the topic of FMC rulemakings, I just want to remind you that we are also waiting on the detention to merge final language. I kind of mentioned this a little bit at the outset, um, but it's September and we have an FMC commission meeting on the books for next week. Are we going to hear more about detention to merge? We're waiting on this final language. So look, so that's the story for number for story number two. The FMCs announced that they're going to be holding their next commission meeting next week, September 21st at 1 p.m. It's actually going to be at the Surface Transportation Board in D.C. They've done that a few times. I think that they are redoing the, uh, the FMC's hearing room um, or they were. I don't know. Maybe it's done. Um, but they're also going to be streaming this out live at the FMC's YouTube channel. Um, and it's also recorded so you can watch it on demand um, so you don't have to tune in right at 1 p.m. So, so far, the agenda is pretty light and and very broad. Uh, We have a staff briefing of OSRA 22, the Ocean Shipping Reform Act of 2022, and a staff briefing on caters. So we're probably going to hear more about the rulemakings. I'm expecting that we're going to have the D&D Detention to Merge final text released, hopefully right around the commission meeting. That's what I'm hoping. Um, I also thought that was going to be released last June at the one-year anniversary of OSRA, um, but it wasn't released. So Here's my next prediction, uh, take it or leave it. But I think it's probably going to have some sort of connection to the commission meeting, um, either right before it, and then they'll discuss what just was released, or right after it. So maybe the commissioners can go on record and have comments um, that they may have relating to the D&D final text. At some point, I seem to remember that the commission said it would be a final text of the D&D rule. So Look, that means that there's a tiny, tiny bite of the apple left if this does become final rule. Um, Even though it's final text, usually there's an effective date that's like 30, 60 days out. Sometimes it's final upon publication, direct final rule. But given that this has had so much interest and so many comments, I can imagine that this will have at least a 30-day effective date. Um, I don't know. A 30-day just seems like probably where they're going to go, but at least 30 days. So in those 30 days, you can still submit comments for the most part, but they have to be significantly adverse to really stop the rule from going into effect. So that's why the notice of proposed rulemaking, the prior steps before 
the final rule, stop, is so important to get your comments in because it's more likely to have a full review and and a full consideration. At the final text stage, it really is trains on the tracks. It's moving forward unless there is a major problem. Uh, But that doesn't mean if you find a major problem, let them know, tell them. So we're probably also just going to get a general update on what to expect for the unfair and justly discriminatory language. This is the rule, the third rule that we're waiting on. Uh, We haven't seen any language on yet. I'm really interested to see how this one shapes up. It's going to be defining unfair and justly discriminatory methods, which can be a beast of a a topic to cover too, um, because it's so case by case. And in general, I feel as though the FMC really does prefer to do case by case considerations through case law and, and through um, through through that sort of process instead of rulemakings, right? Because rulemakings are broad brush strokes and there's so many nuances to all of these ocean carrier, uh, or, excuse me, ocean, ocean cargo movement um, cases. So this one's going to be interesting, right? Defining unfair and just discriminatory language. Are they going to broad brush stroke it while keeping it in the ocean cargo movement discriminatory world? Or are they going to just, I don't know, this one, I'm, I'm interested to see what the language is on this one. So those are, those are what we're waiting on. I'm, I'm hoping we get D&D final text, some sort of glimpse, whether it is released or, or um, an indication on when it'll be released, and then the unjustly or unfairly discriminatory methods, some sort of indication on what's going on there. So story number three, Okay, so what else has happened over the past few months? There's lots of stuff, right? So Commissioner Dye announced that she would be convening her supply chain innovation teams, the Sky teams that I've talked about before. Um, So what she does on these is she pulls them together to kind of tackle topics that she thinks are important. She's also used Sky teams and this team's concept for some of the fact findings that she's done, specifically fact finding 29. But she's done supply chain innovation teams before in the, what was it, 2015, 2016, 2017 timeframe. Um, she wants to tackle practices that are impediments to U.S. international ocean supply chain performance, saying that we must prepare now to handle the next surge in cargo demand by eliminating bottlenecks and ad hoc processes that undermine the efficiency of the U.S. international ocean freight delivery system. Sounds great. So what are these three things that the commissioner is wanting to look at? They're pretty, they're pretty big. So empty container return, early return date, and container pickup, notice of container availability. So what she really wants to do is pull together some of the industry experts, industry decision makers, people who are directly impacted by these three things, and get them all in a room together and have them start to figure this out. So she goes into more detail on these three areas of supply chain performance. And she says that she's actually encouraging reactions or questions to these proposals right off the bat. So if you go look at her news press releases, um, and I'm going to have a link to this in the show notes, but if you go look at her um, announcement, she actually has a link to a second page where she goes into more detail on empty container return, early return date, and container pickup notice of avail- container availability. She doesn't want to just blank page it, send it down to the ec- the industry uh, discussion through these teams, these supply chain innovation teams. She wants to lay some foundation, it seems, and and start some of that conversation with some movement already in place. So that's what I interpret her her kind of um, landing page 
off of the press release to to do. She really wants to have, here's kind of some prompts, here's where we're thinking. Um, so she's hoping to have all the responses if you did want to react to her uh, general proposals on the empty container return, early return date, or container pickup. But she wants to have those by today. So if you feel strongly, look, um, you probably can still comment, still submit. Um, the, leash, the, the worst she can do is turn it away. But at this point, she wanted to have those responses by today. The language that she used in the press release is hoping to have all responses by today. So if you are just hearing about this now and you still want to submit, try to get it in by Monday or Tuesday. You probably have a good chance um, that she'll still accept it. But um, these are these are some pretty big topics that I, I'm really interested to see how the supply chain innovation team um, system is going to ha- is going to work. I mean, um, certainly she's gotten really good at the team system. I'm interested to see what they come up with. Right. That, that's, I guess, sorry, what I meant to say. I'm interested to see what they come up with here. And we won't hear for a while, probably. But if if I understand the supply chain innovation teams, I, I am confident that she will be doing great things. She's going to be really leading them forward and that they are going to be coming up with some solutions, hopefully some innovative solutions, as the name suggests. So what else is happening? Uh, story number four. What else is happening? Commissioner Carl Benzel is continuing to move forward with his Maritime Transportation Data Initiative. This has been a great initiative, the MTDI. We've talked about it quite a bit. Um, there is so much great information on the YouTube page from the MTDI initiative from Carl Benzel. So if you want to go check it out, you can go see all of those stakeholder groups were broken out into one-hour chunks. Um, Sometimes it flowed a little past one hour. But you can hear them talk about what their industry area of the supply chain and how it relates to a larger maritime transportation data initiative, what information they have, what information they need, what information they think there's a simple solution to. It's just a great glimpse of each industry and the, the some of the major players and stakeholders of that industry that make up the larger supply chain ecosystem. So what is he doing now? He has written his report. He's released the report, but now he's released an RFI, so a request for information. So this is an opportunity to consider and comment on that MTDI recommendations and views report. We talked about the report that was released, what was it, in the spring? Great report, lots of information in there. Now, do you have comments on it? Do you have thoughts on it? Do you, you know, do you, do you think that there are areas that you want him to dive further into? Uh, are there areas that you think he's getting really right? Um, the RFI is open for comments until October 16th, so you have roughly another month to get your comments in. So the RFI also has a series of questions in it. It's broken down by supply chain stakeholder groups. So you have the importers, exporters, transportation service providers, et cetera. Um, it's really a unique time at the FMC in general. This is so exciting because there's so many ways to engage with the FMC. And there's so many open comment periods over a relatively short period of time. Um, really, I mean, the past year or so. Make sure that you're using this opportunity to really let your voice be heard because the MTDI just as many of the other things here, has the potential to also make a really impactful change in the supply chain and the ocean transportation system. Whether those changes are in line with your interest or not, in part, rests with you and your willingness to engage in the process. All of these things, the same thing can be said. Any time that the FMC is undertaking something where there's an official comment period, that's something that has the potential to have a major impact. Do you like in this instance, where Commissioner Carl Benzel is going with his work, let him know. If you love it, tell him. Tell him why. Do you think he's going in the wrong direction? Let him know that too. They really want the feedback 
Commissioner Carl Bensel wants the feedback. Commissioner Rebecca Dye wants the feedback. Um, any of these rulemakings, all commissioners want the feedback. Look, make sure that you're engaging here. I'm just giving you the 101 of what's going on. Go in, dive deeper, find out what's going on with all of this. They do want the feedback and they will actually consider it in the next steps. All of the commissioners are interested in getting it right, but they need that industry engagement to know if they're on the right track. So let them know. Go check out this RFI of the MTDI. So remember the request for information of the Maritime Transportation Data Initiative. Check out his report. Did you read the report the first time around? Maybe read it again now. Maybe you'll see it with with different eyes of, you know, things have happened over the summer that now you want to read it and and you kind of, oh, what about this? I don't know. This over the summer was a trouble spot for me. Whatever it is, pull your thoughts together. October 16th is when those comments are due. I, I, I think all of the commissioners are very responsive and receptive to feedback. They want to know that they're helping the industry and they don't know that unless you don't engage. So, um, they, they really want to get the feedback here. So, all right. Story number five, <laughs> we're, we're cruising right along. Uh, this is a story that I previously brought up, but I wanted to bring it up again because it seems like it's a lingering issue, but not necessarily one that's rising to the top of the pile. And this is where we're kind of moving away from the FMC a little bit here. Um, but it's still, it's still in the FMC purview. It has to do with the FMC statutory authority and jurisdictional um, regulatory abilities, right? So the JOC, uh, Journal of Commerce, reported in May. So going back, like I said, we've already talked about this once before. But they reported that a letter dated May 2nd included over 70 shippers, forwarders, and transportation interests sent to the House of Transportation and Infrastructure Committee, the House T&I Committee, that the rail storage fees assessed against ocean containers moving on through bills of lading should be clearly overseen by the FMC and that there was a jurisdictional gap that they say should be closed. So the JOC article points out that I think it's worth pointing out here that so we're all on the same terms. A through bill of lading involves an ocean carrier contracting for rail service to ensure a container is delivered from origin to an inland destination in the U.S., I've heard both sides. I've heard some of the FMC say this is clearly something that was brought in at the um, OSRA 98 um, or the redrafting of 1984 of the Shipping Act. Um, I've also heard, look, it's outside of the FMC purview. It's outside of the FMC statutory authority. So that's part of the problem, right, is that some say that it's so clearly in the FMC authority, this through bill of lading, and some are saying that it's really not. And what this letter seems to be doing of over 70 shippers is saying, let's make that clear. Let's clean this up. So the letter states, while we do not suggest that railroads themselves would or should be regulated by the FMC, right? I mean, that's that's what they're saying. Railroads, ocean, independent regulatory agency for ocean cargo movement. They're saying, while we do not suggest that railroads themselves would or should be regulated by the FMC, the railroad storage charges under through bill of ladings should more appropriately be invoiced through the ocean carriers. So the letter continues, rail storage charges assessed against containers moving in international commerce at an as yet unaddressed abuse of demerge charges should clearly and formally fall within FMC authority through an act of Congress. So essentially what they're, what they're kind of looking at here is they're trying to get the detention and demerge, well, demerge charges as part of what the FMC was seeking to clean up. And so perhaps that would fall under the D&D rulemaking that's coming out. Maybe some of those definitions that they're throwing into the D&D final text could apply to the rail side of things under a through bill of lading. 
Um, so it continues, we ask Congress to clarify that rail storage charges assessed under ocean bills of lading for through transportation should be billed through the contracting ocean carrier and subject to the OSRA 22 demerge and detention invoicing requirements. The letter continues, new legislation would more clearly establish that rail storage charges assessed as part of through international ocean transportation are under the operational authority of the FMC and that any unreasonable charges would be governed by the requirements of OSRA 22. So the JOC article explains that the STB, the Surface Transportation Board, has exempted intermodal transportation from its jurisdiction and the FMC's authority remains unclear. This is what the JOC is saying. Remains unclear despite individual commissioners saying the agency has jurisdiction over inland charges on through bills of lading. Like I said, you can talk to a few different people at the FMC and probably get a few different versions of whether the FMC has authority and what those parameters of the of the statutory authority are. I bring it back up because it's, like I said, it's kind of, it's bubbling. It's not quite falling into major news, but it's still something to pay attention to. There's a, there's a case or two that's also kind of looking at this and, and some of the statutory authority parameters and, and limits of the FMC. So something to keep in mind, I wanted to bring it just maybe not top of mind, but bring it back around so that we we kind of know something that people are talking about. So story number t- number six, let's turn over to the Panama Canal. Look, I raised this as something to watch back in the spring. Seems over the summer, specifically end of July, early August, mainstream media started paying attention. Uh, they picked up the story, not not because of me by any means, but they, they just started paying attention to the Panama Canal and they started reporting on it. Um, and of course, in mainstream media fashion, they made it seem like it was impending doom, right? So um, I really like this article that Greg Miller of Freight Waves released on article um, on August 23rd. It's titled Shipping Traffic Jam at Panama Canal, Why It's Not a Crisis Yet. So Greg reports that there's been significant rise in the average waiting times in both July and August for vessels, vessels, but not necessarily for container ships. So the draft is still at 44 feet and most of the container vessels that are going through there are really less than that. Or if they are, they they maybe just don't load it as the vessel as full as it could be so that they can stay under that 44-foot uh, draft. But it seems the most of the impact has actually been on the heavier vessels, right? So which therefore would be pulling a deeper draft. So that's going to be your tankers, your dry bolt carriers, your liquefied petroleum gas carriers, and other non-containerized vessels. So Greg in the article states that the Wall Street Journal was reporting that over 200 vessels were waiting on either side of the canal while the canal itself was actually reporting 119 with average waiting vessels in a normal period around 90. So you're going from 90 on a normal period to about 119. Um, Greg cites that as about a 30% increase. So it's not crazy. Um, but I mean, okay, so 119 up to 200. It's it Basically, it's it's not double what is uh, what his point was. So some carriers are actually saying that the effect, although not immaterial, also not huge, right? So so some of the ocean carriers um, and container carriers. This is something to watch, but is the house on fire? No, no, the house isn't on fire yet. Um, sure, maybe some of these backups are going to be delaying some of the container vessels, but as I understand it, the container vessels for the most part have appointments and, and reservations and are able to kind of skip the lines because of that. So the efficiency of the movement is still there. Um, I've also read that this is potentially going to flow into 2024. Um, if that draft continues to decrease, that could be a problem, right? But 44 feet, 
I mean, if you think about it, a lot of the ports are now dredging to 45, 50 feet. Um, so we're kind of right in that sweet spot. So again, something to watch, something to continue to monitor. Um, it's interesting to pay attention to, but really I think this is going to have more of an impact on some of the bulk, not necessarily on some of the container. And so therefore it's going to be less quickly felt by consumers. So again, look, it's just something to watch for. So that's a good snippet of what happened over the past few weeks. We've already been talking for quite a while. There's still plenty more to discuss, but that's a good place to get us restarted into the new season, into the school year, into September. Um, there were some international developments with respect to some electronic trade that we're going to be talking a little bit more about, um, specifically in the UK. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that next week, right? So today, I just want to get us started. Welcome back, everyone, and we're happy you tuned in. As always, the guidance here is general and for educational purposes, it should not be construed to be legal advice directly related to your matter. If you need an attorney, contact an attorney. But if you have specific legal questions, feel free to reach out to me at my legal company, Squall Strategies. Otherwise, for the non-legal questions, for the e-learning, for the general industry information and insights, for the employee trainings, come find me at The Maritime Professor. If you like these videos, let me know. Comment, like, and share. If you want to listen to these episodes on demand or if you missed any previous episodes, check out the podcast by Land and by Sea wherever you get your podcasts. If you prefer to see the video, they live on my YouTube page by Land and by Sea presented by The Maritime Professor. And while you're at it, check out the website, themaritimeprofessor.com. So until next week, this is Lauren Began, The Maritime Professor, and you've just listened to By Land and by Sea. See you next time.